Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I have a few brief updates for you. These are quick updates. I don't think it'll take nearly as long to cover them, which I'm excited about because I don't have to deal with the animals yelling at each other because there's not a lot going on in those avenues. There's a couple of updates I'll briefly you know, touch on, but I'm not going to go deep into them. So to kind of round it, let's start this off with a couple of quick coin past coin or current coin or existing coin significant uh, mentions top of the list is probably shib shib was reached out to by uh, newegg newegg of course is a computer and electronics provider if anybody's old enough that remembers stores like comp usa and circuit city and those newegg is the digital equivalent of those it's a solid store for computer and electronics purchases, primarily computer. The reason that I'm calling out this particular relationship is that most of the people who would be shopping Newegg now, they're doing so for parts, right? And mostly graphics cards, but also processors, RAM. That's generally who's buying there. You also have gaming PCs, so you could have people who are setting up mining equipment, but I think as we get closer to ETH2, and more proof-of-stake mining. We'll see less of that develop. I do think that there's going to be some sort of a modern equivalent of what we know of as mining in the new era of it. But as many of these level twos start to spin up and there's less of a, of a need to do that, because all of it at the end of the day is brokered off of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Bitcoin mining really requires ASIC hardware. So they do sell ASICs, but ASICs are less common in the United States because of power draw. However, graphics cards are still used to mining of pretty much everything else. And so Newegg gets a lot of volume from graphics card purchases, obviously. And then RAM is another one. Uh, solid state drives is another one, which means that there's an opportunity for knowledge and awareness of SHIB by way of Newegg for people that aren't aware of it or didn't realize that, hey, this thing has skyrocketed over X. So it's more of exposure benefit than anything else. I'll say it again. I think it benefits the new egg side in this case more than the SHIB side. The reason I say that again, SHIB has pretty much plateaued just because of the inventory in my assessment. The inventory is what holds it back from true growth, evident by the fact that it dropped by half when the coin market cap fiasco happened with the circulating supply. It has not been able to recover significantly since. And so that seems to tell us that the circulating supply is playing a strong factor in its inability to grow back to what it did when it had spiked at that point. So until that gets resolved and however long that takes, I don't expect significant movement in the price no matter what they do. And then people have always been commiserating about what the maximum price of SHIB is going to be, which I honestly, I'll still say nobody really knows. We can honestly say, okay, market cap, do, 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 and be confident in that, in that prediction, but we have to play a factor. We have to consider the factor of Doge, which bucked that same statement where people said market cap, do, 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 and then Doge blew it out the water. So there's too many unknowns with SHIB. I'm just saying that I don't have a short-term strong prediction of significant growth for SHIB just because of the inventory from my perspective, just, just me. And then Satama, really quick, um, there's been back and forth 
between the Satama. I wouldn't say back and forth because it's pretty much one-sided at this time um, because I haven't followed it directly, but what I am aware of, Willie D chimed in and basically made a bunch of statements that I, and I think highly of Willie D as a person, I think I do, um, but I think he made a lot of statements that were in bad, just kind of emotionally triggered that he should not have made in that forum because they could come back to haunt him is my perception as somebody who is at some level involved from a mentally, from a legal perspective. I think he should not have put what he put out because I don't know that he can prove it. And even if he had people on the inside who made those statements, I have a suspicion that those same people might have made somewhat false statements to him in an effort to get to trigger him to put the stuff out so that a countersuit for libel was now open door. Because when you state things and then end up not being able to prove it and they end up being potentially damaging or slanderous, but they're in writing, that is a form of libel. So I, again, I think highly Willie is a person. I don't think the charges matter now. I, I understand people's upset, you know, reaction to finding out about it, but I would question how come they didn't do their own research in the first place the moment the Willie D announcement was made. It, he's a well-known figure. It's not like his information ever would be hidden or from the public. It's easy to understand his story and his background. And so I question the investors that didn't do investigation, but, you know, the significant drop tells me I don't think... Uh, there were people certainly that jumped on the bandwagon, but I honestly think that that was a pre-coordinated attack and I put the word attack in quotes, from certain whales who had different expectations of that event. And when they went to the event or they watched the events fall out and they saw drunk Jake again, Jake, yeah, Jake again, and they see that there's no wallet and they see banners on the Grand talking about download now and that's not true. Banners in Times Square talking about download now and that's not true. And probably some of those people are in New York even. And they see that ultimately, okay, you guys just basically got together and partied, and then you used our money to give somebody else a Tesla. I think certain high-level whales reacted and sold as a net effect of that because it was already on the trend down after the event, after the, the shortcomings and the failures of the event. So I don't think the banner had a significant additional, you know, tangible effect beyond possibly the bandwagon effect. But I understand that it did have an effect I don't see that CoinMarketCap did anything wrong. Could they have done things better as far as include dates? Sure, but I don't think that in a court of law, that's something that you'd hold up. Like in the terms, they just say, as long as we can verify the source, we will post it if somebody wants us to post it. So that one's, I guess, something that you might want to follow if you're an investor, perhaps. But again, I, I personally, I'll keep saying it. I think it started with a failure in the event from the investor's perspectives, though that group of whales, and not showing up and doing things like get rid of the banners that say download now and all that. I think people reacted to that and drunk Jake again more than the rest of the stuff. That's my opinion on it. Let's move on to more interesting topics. Let's cover an exchange. Um, I'm dwindling down my list of exchanges. Thank goodness. Cause I'm tired of covering so many of them that just don't, they don't work for me personally, but I've, stumbled across some decent ones and one I just came across that I I'll call out and I've heard about it. I've had it on my, my mobile for some time and meant to look at it and just kind of pawned it off because I have what I need, but I think it's important to cover as many as I can. This one is XT.com. That's XT.com. You know, 
XT.com, you know, the funny thing about theirs, I could swear that the site itself is straight up a copy paste of KuCoins or possibly Hotbits. I can't tell which one, but it looks like a copy paste of somebody else's in the, the structure and the look and feel of it. And then they just changed some logos. It's a Korean company. And the first thing I notice when I get on this thing and sign up is the sign up's pretty easy. However, one minor annoyance, it won't bother you, but I call it out for the so-called fund password. So this is basically your pin when you need to do transactions. They force you to have some other character. So you need to mix types of characters, letters, alpha, you know, letters, non-alpha, numbers. I want to state this as a matter of policy myself. And it doesn't just apply to tools. It doesn't just apply to this. It applies to anything you can think of. I am not a fan, generally speaking, of forcing something that I think should be the consumer's choice. When I say that, I'm talking, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm talking about you're forced to park in this type of parking spot. You're forced to stick a fox scene in your arm. You're forced to put letters in your code. You're forced to use text messaging. You're forced to do this. That's what I'm talking about. As somebody who does software development myself, I'm a fan of giving choices to the consumer, educating them about those choices. Either they take them or they don't, right? And processes like, and I believe it's KuCoin that has, you know, will give you four different types of security measures we're saying you need to implement two of them, but which two of them is up to you. That I think is a better option because you're educating the user as to the different levels of security, not just pushing something down on the user. That's what I don't like. And I'm not picking on any one company. I'm talking in general. So when they did this, it's not a major thing. It's just an annoyance that I call out, but they do support Outlook email, which means they're, they took the time to work the code to support proper mail exchange that's good however when i got inside it immediately changed itself to the korean font i don't know why it would do that because testing the browser and testing where your you know your locale is is a very it's like one line of code to do this and so either it did it wrong or it didn't do it at all then it doesn't detect because of that locale information because it doesn't have that it's trying to quote me in uh, Korean currency, and of course, Korean currency is, uh, I forget the actual name, it's KRW, but I forget the actual name. And so now I'm having to manually switch the interface to English, and then I have to manually switch the currency to US dollar so that I can understand what I'm looking at. Um, I do understand a little Korean, but not to the point that I can read it all day long. So that was weird, but it told me that they didn't spend, they spent time on this one as far as email and the login and all that, but not on we need to test the user interface. We need to test it from America. We need to test the currency that's likely there and start with the most likely situations and then change if those, you know, let the user change if they turn out to be incorrect as placed. So that was odd, and I don't know why that, why that happened. However, on the flip side, they do offer open support. You can email them directly to get support, which I like. Not many of the exchanges offer this. Some of them lock it behind forms and all this. Not with them. You can go straight in there. The interface, like I said, is copy-paste from other ones, so I'm not going to cover too much about this one, but I'll call out two main things. Number one, I was, I was not and am not a fan of their withdrawal minimums for different tokens. So like for 
B&B, their minimum is one. I don't agree with that at all. You're talking at that point six, $700 just to withdraw. I understand their target audience, but the reality is, is that the majority of people don't have one. They might have half of one, right? Or they may, they may be building towards one, but they don't have it yet. And yet the other one, you know, you can deposit pretty much any amount as long as you meet like, I think it's like $6 or $10 or something. But withdrawal is just a super expensive thing. I do understand the transit fees, totally understand the transit fees. Personally, I'm not a fan of, again, forcing a thing. And to me, that minimum withdrawal is essentially forcing a thing. I won't, I won't support that. Um, and then some other ones that you wouldn't expect are suspended, but the interface doesn't tell you. So like with Cardano, if you try to withdraw Cardano, it'll, first of all, the first, the list of assets doesn't tell you that there's anything wrong. But when you go to withdraw, it'll give you a message saying, hey, this is suspended. Please try again later. Doesn't tell you why. And then other minimums are illogical. So like with Gate.io, to compare, if you want to pull out USD Tether, its minimum is 50, which is basically $50. On XT, its minimum is $10. Why is there a difference? I have no freaking clue. Um, because when you, if you're going to say $10 on USD Tether, then why am I having to spend $700 to with, withdraw BNB when BNB has lower gas fees than Tether on Omni or Tether on Ethereum? That's what I'm saying as far as these requirements and why I'm not a fan of them. Because again, there's this inconsistency going on with it. And I... And there's no pattern to it. it. It just doesn't make sense. So I don't, I don't think their interface for the asset management is very well thought out. Um, most of the cheap withdrawal conduits are suspended. And again, the front interface doesn't tell you that. So if I wanted to use my Stellar XLM trick or like say Cardano, I can't because they're, with, they're disabled. But you don't know they're disabled till you go into it. Meanwhile, on something like Tron, TRX, you can withdraw Tron, but then Tron has, and it's not unreasonable. Uh, their withdrawal is probably going to be about, I think it's 10 bucks. I think it's $10. $10 or maybe even a dollar. I think it's $10 for Tron. So I can withdraw that one. But then Tron, because it's its own blockchain, you can't send it to Coinbase, for example, and you can't easily convert it. It's kind of a pain. So I, there's no pattern as to the minimum withdrawals. Like to me, I think the minimum withdrawal should tie directly to the fiat equivalent. But it looks like what they're doing is they're tying it to what they perceive as the cost of doing the send, similar to unminable. I, I get it, but to me that's chaos because then I'm never going to know going in which one is going to be the cheapest option to withdraw the currency that I've got. By and large, the cost of doing it is just all over the place and I don't I don't I can't support it as someone in the United States who is not transacting significant thousands of dollars to where yes I do have to care about these things somebody who's transacting at the higher level probably doesn't care because you don't care about losing $700 to transition $10,000 so obviously they're they're I'm not the target for their their service and they're targeting more of the higher dollar traders whereas i spread mine i'm not going to leave significant amounts certainly not in a korean tool i'm certainly not going to do that like for me the significant would be sitting in like a you know a coinbase or something that's i can trust is in the u.s or a u.s company and i know i'm not going to get my money stolen someday not to accuse them of anything i'm saying that that's the 
concern I would have with their service is the appearance that they don't seem to uh, cater to somebody who's on the lower end of the trading spectrum, even though they have a lot of coins that are the lower cap coins available like a Shib or Satama uh, or Kishu. And then the other thing that I, that I call out that I personally, again, I'm stressing again, personally don't like. They have ETH2O staking capability. This is a good thing. However, they want you to put, I want to say it was like 60, 60 ETH worth, some ridiculous amount to be able to buy into this thing. Uh, it's like, come on, I understand you're catering to the high end, but everybody should be able to do it. Coinbase, you can stake a dollar's worth of it if you want. So, I'm, yes, I am holding them to a different standard because I do think when you're talking about retail traders or casual traders or more distributed traders like myself, I think that you need to lower your thresholds. Yes, 32. 32 is a lot. I think that's, what is that? That's, geez, like 700 grand. Uh, okay, or, yeah, no, 1.2 million or, yeah, whatever. The point is it's a ridiculous amount of money, and I'm not, I don't support it. And I get it, but I don't support it. So that's enough about XT. It's not that I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it for 99% of traders out there. Let's put it that way. If you're a high-level trader, you're already in a tool that's doing what you want. So I don't see the XT is going to do anything more for you. In terms of coin variety, Gate.io has every single one of them that I've searched and then some. DKEX has the vast majority of what's there and then some KuCoin has the vast majority, and then some. I don't see anything that differentiates themselves from XT from anything else, and so as a result, I don't. I wouldn't strongly recommend them over anything else, and I can't think of why you would go with them versus a BKX as an example, because they don't. They're not actively trying to differentiate differentiate themselves from the top players that are out there. So that's that one. Let's get into a new, I say new, I put that in quotes, token, and just discuss our underdog token. There were a couple, um, and one that, I, that stood out, and I'm, I'm going to cautiously recommend it, and I say cautiously because their telegram is a nightmare, and I'm anti-telegram, and even regardless of the way I feel, this one's bad. It's another level of bad. It is unexpectedly bad. It is shockingly bad. It's got to be the worst telegram experience i've ever gone through and it seems to tell me that they are not uh, actively managing their reputation to the public and so i cautiously recommend it just because without a strong social media presence management it means you are subject to scams more than others might be and this one is called ufo gaming you may or may not have heard of UFO Gaming. I'll break it down. UFO Gaming started as UFO Token and had a very anime-ish type appearance. They've since rebranded slightly. It's still UFO, but now it's UFO Gaming. And they've started talking about these different metaverse type things for games where you can play to earn and you can use your tokens to, to get land and all these things that are popular now in the play to earn space. And so they've, they've revamped the site and they've put this all together and have presented now what appears to be a decently solid platform for growth for users. 
It's on the Ethereum network, so I would strongly recommend that you purchase from an exchange if you are considering buying into this business. I believe, and I'm looking right now, that I had to buy from uh, Gate.io, but I want to confirm that that's exactly what I did because I made a number of different purchases ever recently, and so I might have that wrong. Certainly wasn't there. I'm pretty sure it's Gate.io. Yes, it is Gate.io. So Gate.io has it, and the volume, what caught my eye, the graph looks beautiful. It's it's probably the perfect graph you could expect for a bullish sentiment. Um, it had significant growth, it had plateau, and then now it's starting to shoot up to a next level and create a new resistance, bottom resistance. It's it's a it's volume, 24-hour volume is nuts. It's already, just today, already trending towards 10 million. And to put in perspective, it's on deck to surpass Tron's total volume, 20, 24. And Tron's been around for ages. And yet UFO in its current form is just skyrocketing. So it's something to look out for in performance. And it may be one of those where maybe you don't do the gaming side, but you financially benefit from the gaming's performance because the people are going to do the games. We've seen it from the play-to-win games on mobile and how much money was essentially wasted by people on those games. And I say that as somebody who was in it myself when I was younger. It's it's a huge market, and especially overseas. They're huge in those gotcha-type games where you have to pay to win the game. And now that they're using crypto to basically do the same thing, this one has a strong potential to, to skyrocket in price over time. And it's I firmly believe it's one that you want to look out for and be aware, if nothing else, be aware of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build with their metaverse focus. I see the media calling them the next Axie Infinity. I think what happens is when you're the first into a thing or you are so you were so early that you were able to get embedded in people's minds, there is that tendency to compare you to other projects that are a similar type of project, and so that will be a thing. However, I think the difference with UFO from what I can see is that they have a vision of broadening to all different networks, which is something that Axie has not actively wanted to do. The more networks you can get on, the easier it is to get on board because you're becoming more accessible to different players and different people. And if the game is on different network chains and is not locked to, say, Ethereum, now you are telling people, look, we understand Ethereum is having issues and we want you to have different options to buy into the tool. To me, that's a win. That's an instant win. UFO Gaming is on ShibaSwap. So if you are part of ShibaSwap's ecosystem, um, you are able to swap through ShibaSwap and go from there as well. Their site is not, I wouldn't say their site is for professionals. Like if you were a professional trader, you're going to look at it and say, okay, this is not that good. But you have to understand what they're trying to do. And if you look at what they're trying to do with the gaming side, you realize that their their site is brilliant and their white paper is very well written. And it means that a lot of thought was put into this thing. They describe to you how the mechanics work. They describe to you what they're going to build. They give you roadmap. They give you mechanics. They tell you exactly how everything's going to work. In a, I, I think this is one of the best, not the best, but one of the best white papers I've seen in terms of the information given to investors about what it is that you're investing in. 
This, I don't think, is anywhere close to a scam. I think it's legit, and I think it has a chance for people to make some really good long-term money. I want to talk about the tokenomics just a little bit, and then I'll wrap it up. So similar to other types of tokens, um, when you when they set it up, they set it up, and it looks like it's got uh, one quadrillion. So it looks like it had when it started, and then, of course, they put all the liquidity in Uniswap, and then they and then some is obviously in the exchanges, and then they burnt the remaining uh, supply. So it's down to looks like fifty one trillion tokens. They built they built this around the gaming. So the it's a utility token in the sense that you need the token in order to play the game. So that means that there's necessary acquisitions that will happen by users so that they can play the game. When they get the other network set up, it means that people will be able to avoid the gas fees that come from getting it into their wallet so they can play the game. That's why I say that all the different networks in play is going to have, a, I believe, a significant impact on the price movement over time. This one's a long haul just because of the inventory. However, just having trillions of tokens, I just think at some point you're going to get to see this guy's going to be uh, a major, major player in the price and the price movements and everything else. I don't see any significant mechanics that you would normally see from a token of this price, like reflections and burn mechanics, and perhaps they felt they didn't need them, and maybe they don't. There may be a burn as part of the game. I'm not seeing one in the white paper. Most of the white paper simply talks about here's how the game works and here's what people will be doing in the game and how the game basically behaves when you buy land and when you set up a, a player and the NFT side of things. So it may simply be that they're hooking their hat, so to say, on the gaming to drive the price up. There's nothing wrong with that strategy. There's nothing wrong with not having burn mechanics because the inventory is not crazy large. Um, 51 trillion is not crazy large, but it does mean that there's likely to be a cap on the maximum profit potential unless and until they build some sort of burn mechanic into the gaming. That's something that you're going to want to watch and see if they decide to do that at some point. I think it's smart business to do it, to just basically say, you know, as you play the game, like maybe there's some sort of a mechanic inside the game where you're, um, a blacksmith or something, right? And then as you as you mine, we as you uh, forge weapons, so you go and you mine whatever you mine uh, materials, and then you forge a weapon. And as part of the forging of the weapon, the forge burns tokens from the supply or something. Something creative that encourages people to play, and as part of their playing, helps burn the rest of the supply that's remaining. I would love to see something creative like that built into it, because at that point. There's really, no, there's really no peak to where this thing could go. On the pace that it's going, like I said, it's already on deck to surpass Tron, and Tron's been a long-standing uh, token in crypto. And then the next one, deck, next one up would be Floki. And Floki is one of those that's just had, you know, popularity that couldn't be explained, but it's kind of stagnated a little bit. After that, you're, you're very close to SHIB, I would say, at the current rate, I don't see a reason why it can't get close to SHIB's volume by the end of 2022. That's an aggressive prediction, but I'm basing it on what I see of what they're trying to do with this guy. I think it's one you should not ignore. You should still do your own research. You should still make sure it fits. And I would advocate it as part of a diverse portfolio. And I would stress, get it from an exchange, please. Avoid the gas fees. Get it from an exchange, even if you're only investing because of the financial aspects and you're not 
directly trying to gain, I think it's worth looking at this guy. 